go ahead and grab a seat. It's wonderful to see you all today. If I don't know you, my name is Preston. You might know that by now. Uh, but it's a real joy. And to those of you who shared, Paul and Allie and Mel and Jake, uh, and is that, did I forget somebody? That's Alistair. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Um, I'm deeply humbled. I don't have words to how to respond to you, so thank you. Uh, well, we're now I'm doing a sermon. It's almost 11 o'clock, so sorry this is so long. But here we go. I'll try to uh, keep it expedient. We're in a series called Brick and Mortar, and we've been talking about the church lately. Last week, Alistair introduced the topic of church. We're just talking about what is it and why does it matter. Uh, last week, uh, again, Alistair introduced the image from Scripture for the church that Jesus and Paul give us of the body of Christ. Uh, we are a collective body of people throughout the world today and throughout history, past and future. We're a collective, and last week we focused on Jesus, who is the head of the body in this corporal image and this metaphor. Uh, so Jesus is the head, and we are all the rest of the body. Um, we're all members. We're all different parts. In our 1 Corinthians reading, uh, you heard Paul explore this metaphor in all sorts of details. He says, uh, he goes into all sorts of ways. Just a, a quick recap in verses 17 to 20. If the whole body were an eye, where would the, be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But, but as it is, God arranged members in the body, each, one, uh, each of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but just one body. So there's many members in the body, and the different members must work together in unity for the body to be healthy, just like your body does, just like my body does. Jesus emphasizes this message in John 17 in his, in his prayer. Paul does throughout his letters that the, the unity of the body, the body working together in health, is a mark of Christ, is a mark of the body of Christ, unity. But that is not easy, is it? It wasn't in the first century when Paul was writing this, and it's still not today. And unity over the centuries has been incredibly challenging for the church. There have been countless rifts and breaks to the church, fights, even wars in the church. And we grieve these. Uh, it's true globally as well as locally. But as the church, we pursue in faith this spiritual reality of unity in script, that Scripture teaches, that we are the one body of Christ. Despite all of that, we still are, and we must seek to live faithfully to that identity. So today, I'm, I'm going to focus this topic uh, of life together of the body in the local congregation, in this local congregation. Just narrow it there. So let's ask, how does the church live as one body? How do we do that? How do we live together in increasing unity an increasing compassion, and increasing cooperation with one another? How do we live together where we're moving for, towards the vision of Jesus, where he pleads with the Father, might they be one as you and I are one? That's his prayer. That's what we'll ask today. Uh, I won't go through all of that passage. There's a lot about spiritual gifts. It's really interesting, uh, and I won't have to have a chance to get into all of that. But I will tell you, there'll be some chances in the coming months to explore more about spiritual gifts here at St. Pete's, so, and to practice them, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but the question today, how do we live as the body? So we'll just look at these uh, two truths 
that we're given. Each member belongs to God, and each gift belongs to God. Each member and each gift belong to God. So we'll look at both of these. I'll just point out implications for you as a member of the body and for everyone around you, the people you're sitting beside shoulder to shoulder with, uh, the other uh, people your life impacts in this congregation. First, each member belongs to God. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. So two weeks ago, uh, I explored three pillars of salvation in a sermon on salvation. Faith, baptism in water, baptism in the spirit. Those are the three. And I ended that sermon by saying these never end in our life in Christ. They keep going. They keep getting worked out as we live uh, with Jesus. They begin our salvation, but they don't end it. They characterize the whole journey. Faith, baptism, water, baptism, spirit. Um, This point that all the members belong to God, is about baptism getting worked out, that continuing on, that identity, because God gifts us a new identity in baptism. That's what it's about. You're baptized into the body of Christ, a group of people that are bound together by the fact that they now belong to God. So, this means that you are no longer your own. Now, the first thing about you is that you belong to God. That's amazing and pretty radical. What does that mean for you? Well, one thing is I think it's going to take the rest of your life for that to sink in. It's been been sinking slowly in in my life for 30-some years. Um, More and more impacts. Just I see it slowly over my life. It's an amazing thing to say, but it takes time for it to mean different things in different life seasons. Uh, But as it does, as you get this more and more, you're freed in some amazing ways. You're freed from digging inside to learn who you are. And you get to receive the freedom of looking to Christ to find out who you are, to know yourself. And when you do that, amazing amazing things happen. One, pressure is taken off. Pressure is taken off your shoulders. And a self-forgetfulness can take over, the good kind. That when your heart is fixed on the beauty of Jesus and you're wrapped up in him and you just want to look at him and you're seeking to reflect him to the world, not because you're trying, but just because you're gazing at him, you don't worry about yourself so much. And that's really freeing. Your image or your abilities or your ranking in the world's eyes or all the stuff that you bring to the table, it's just its not your focus anymore. Because your uniqueness will find its home in the body of Christ right where it belongs, and that is good news. You don't have to mirror other people. You don't have to conform to your life to a cookie-cutter version of yourself that someone else wants it to be. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, says Paul. Each member belongs to God. That's the first thing. So own this. Own it. It frees you to know yourself in relation to Jesus. It frees you from the never-ending game of self-creation and image airbrushing. Return to this good news often. you got to keep coming to it. I do. 
your baptized identity. That's what it is. Return to it again and again. There's a baptism happening in just two weeks. So in that service, think about this. You're also baptized. But this also matters for everyone else around you too. The people you're sitting beside, the people in, your, in, in this church that, that isn't you. The other members of the body are impacted by you living into your identity as a part of the body. Because you owning this truth frees and encourages those around you to live out their God-given, baptized lives without pressure, without guilt, without subtle, quiet judgment that we sometimes put on each other, even when we don't mean to, even indirectly. Preston in Christ blesses the body. Chandler in Christ blesses the body. Michael in Christ blesses the body. We all have a rich gift to offer the body when we are owning that identity as in Christ. But when we forget we belong to God, when we get in that game of asserting ourselves, whether it's based on our skills or our money or our job or status or political views, even our spiritual gifts, we hurt the body. We hurt one another. It's like one arm that's trying to do all the work, all the lifting on its own over here and trying to get all the attention. One, it'll hurt itself after a while, but two, the other one will atrophy and be weakened. So we hold this truth for our own good. It frees us. It's good news, but also for the good of those around you too, so that they're released to find themselves in Jesus as well. One Sunday a few years back, there was two people here in the service that had a conflict going on. And in the service, before they came up to the communion table at the end, uh, I, I saw them um, just really simply speak and make amends and forgive one another, offer forgiveness. They saw one another in Christ first. It was beautiful. Just kind of a simple thing. No one else knew what was going on. When things like that happen, the whole body is built up. The whole body. Those two, those two people, they received freedom and forgiveness from one another, restored relationship, wonderful, beautiful. But also, they were, they were changed. They're changed people, more attentive people, more eager to forgive in the future, better people for the body, healthier people for the whole body. They're living out how Paul describes our life together in Romans 12. It's another passage where he goes on about unity and spiritual gifts. He says to think of ourselves with sober judgment, not more highly than we ought. Because in verse 5, he says, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Can you believe that? So integrated, members of one another. We belong to one another in some way. We exist for the good of one another because each member belongs to God. And this changes everything about how the body works. From offering forgiveness to sharing our time, sharing our hearts, even our food with one another. Let, let me just ask you this. Does anyone in your, in your house at your, your, or wherever you live, does anyone else not living there have refrigerator rights at your house? Do you know what I mean? As in they can walk in and pop open the fridge and grab whatever they want <laughs> to eat and not feel weird about it. Does anyone have that at your house that doesn't live there? And if you have that at someone else's house, it's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? One, you can just get whatever food you want, and it's great. <laughs> but it's a sense that you're home there. You know that whatever they have is yours, and they're opening it to you freely. 
it's a mark of deep hospitality, actually, to have that freedom in someone else's space. And that's a good goal, I think, for us as a church, for you. Who else in the body of Christ can you include in your refrigerator rights? <laughs> think about that. The body is healthier when we see ourselves right. All as members who live for the good of others, ask for and receive forgiveness to one another, open our hearts, even our refrigerators, to one another. So let's move to the next part. Each gift belongs to God. So that was each member belongs to God, but also each gift that the members have belong to God. And this part is another outworking of one of those markers of salvation, of the Holy Spirit, of your baptism in the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 6 says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So God gives us gifts, activities, matters of service, things to do that are all enabled by the Spirit. So think about your life. What ways can you speak truth? What ways can you work out good deeds? What ways can you create gospel beauty in the world? What spiritual gifts do you have? If you're not familiar with that idea and you don't know how to answer that, that's okay. Uh, if you do, then consider it. But if you don't, just think, what do I have to offer to the body? Start there. I think the range of words in verses 4 to 6 that we just read, I think it expands this conversation, though, than not just about spiritual gifts. Paul says, all these things you do for the body are empowered by God. And it's the same God. It's the same Spirit that empowers me and you and you, all of us. Well, what does that mean for you? Again, just like uh, the first part, it means freedom. It means you're freed to use gifts and serve, and offer yourself without the burden of those things defining you, because it's the Spirit's work. It, and, it, and on the other hand, it protects you from arrogance. It protects you from claiming the gift as your own, so that you can boast about it and put that into your personhood as it's mine. You can't do that, because it's God working. Paul says it's His Spirit working through you. It's a Spirit gift. And you're an imperfect member. I'm an imperfect member. So there's freedom. You can do it. You can try things. There's not all the pressure. So I have freedom to grow into things and try them without the fear of failure. If it's of the Spirit, the Spirit will use it. He will do the work. I'm the faithful member that's offering myself. When I started preaching a couple years ago, I wasn't very good. <laughs> Many of you, actually, this is shocking. Over the past three months, since I told you I was leaving, three people have told me this directly, that I wasn't very good. Can you believe that? Three people. <laughs> you know, I'm grateful they didn't tell me in 2016, or I probably wouldn't be here today. It was, it, you know, it was vulnerable. I, was, I felt vulnerable. I felt nervous. I didn't know what I was doing. I, and they were right. I wasn't very good at it. I'd never done it before. I had to learn. I remember the first sermon I gave was 2016, Ash Wednesday, right here. I don't think, it was, it, was, it was not much to write home about. If you were there, I'm sorry. <laughs> but my, my professor at Regent, I was at Regent at the time, Daryl Johnson, he used to say that every time I preached or anyone preached, if, if scripture was being preached faithfully, if that was the topic, 
and it was done faithfully, then God would speak. No matter how terrible I was, no matter how bad my delivery was, or stumbling over things, or the examples were way off, or the stories didn't land, or it was just a mess, God would speak to someone out there, because if it's God's word, it's his word. It's up to him. He's going to speak, not mine. And I clung to that. I clung to that <laughs> many times. I thought, that wasn't great, Lord, so I hope someone heard your words. Because it's the Spirit. It's the Spirit's gift. The Spirit will still speak in spite of a not great preacher. That's good news. And that kept me going. Even today, every single time I write a sermon, every single time, it's some moment in the process, I find myself thinking, this is garbage. What am I doing? It's all been said before. I, I go through that every time. But I do because it's a gift from the Lord. So I keep going. I keep pushing through that doubt and fear. Sometimes Alistair or Lloyd have to remind me of that. All the imposter feelings that can come up. Because it's God's thing, not mine. And this also means I can't, I can't claim it as my own. I can't say it's all about me. I'm really good at this now after five years because I think I'm something special. Like, you can't do that again because it's the Spirit's gift. And if I or if anyone else makes their spiritual gifts from God about themselves or in use of their power or their fame or whatever, it's an abuse. So I'm freed. I'm freed to use the gift. And I'm protected from boasting because it belongs to the Spirit. But that, that, the fact that the gift is the Spirit, it also matters to everyone else, too, around me. Because your gifts, everyone else's gifts, are God's, too, which means I don't get to rank people. I don't get to treat people differently based on their gifts or what they, quote-unquote, have to offer. This was a problem in the Corinthian church. Paul describes how absurd this would be with a physical human body in 21 to 27, uh, did this, said, I don't need this part of that part. In verses 21 to 27, it's an analogy for the local church. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you, down to, 20, down to 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So God has put the body together. He has uh, given the gifts. It's up to God about how it works, how the different members work together, and each part is needed. It's not up to me or you or anyone else to to decide which one is more important or not. There's no throwing away the hand or the stomach or the eye. They're all needed for the body to be healthy. So we're called out to serve and act and use our gifts for the sake of the other. In other words, God put the body together for the sake uh, of everyone in the body. Each of you in the body. Each of you has gifts. Each of you has something to serve and give to the body of Christ. So don't deprive one another of the people sitting beside you, the people around you in the community. Don't deprive one another of those gifts. They're needed. You're needed. Use them imperfectly as it may be. Even if you might think, I don't really know how to do this, or it's, 
scary or nervous, again, you're free to try because it's the Spirit's work and He'll work. And you can stumble through it and there's grace. We need your heart. The others need your love. They need your words of encouragement of life. The body needs it. And again, we don't rank people on what they can or can't do. We don't treat people differently. Uh, rich or poor, they did that in Corinth. Um, one gift or another, we don't rank people on those bases. We don't consider the person with the microphone up here as the only person in the room whose voice matters. We treat one another with equal value. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I told Alistair this this week, it made me feel a little awkward this week preparing to preach this knowing it's a service that would put attention on me <laughs> as the person with the microphone, as the person who is often up front speaking when Paul is going on about balancing out honor to all the members. But I do receive it because Paul says, when one is honored, we rejoice together. And so I receive that openly, and I'm grateful for it. And that's right. But there is a tension here because God likes to level these human playing fields of value and ranking. So we do it with that in mind. So we've gone at this from several different angles today. Let's just refocus and, and um, conclude. We live as a healthy body by living into these truths, that every member belongs to God and every gift belongs to God. But even with this, all this good stuff that I've just told you, life is hard in community. We can do all these things that I just talked about and, uh, and strive for in Christ. And sometimes it's messy still. Sometimes there are breakdowns and cracks and hurts that don't get mended. And that's really tough. We can't always fix them. They don't always get fixed. I was struck studying these passages in the body and the gifts this week on a common theme in all of them, though. Uh, there are four key texts, chapters in the New Testament that go through the spirit gifts and the body. And uh, Paul writes three of them, Peter one, and it's as if in each you can hear Paul or Peter getting to a point where they can go no further. They've said all they can say, and it's as if they're hearing the objections from the churches, whether they're talking to them in person or writing back, but it's hard. Sometimes things are messy and broken. What do we do? Paul and Peter, in every one of those passages, every one, end up appealing to one word, agape, love, the selfless, grace-shaped, one-way love of God. Romans 12, after unpacking the gifts, Paul writes, let love be genuine, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. 1 Corinthians, right after the chapter we read today, comes the chapter that's read at every single wedding. Chapter 13, the most famous chapter in love, it's always at the weddings, but it's actually sandwiched in a long discourse about life in the community. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am nothing. Ephesians 4, Paul says we can only grow up into maturity into Christ if we are built up by love. And 1 Peter 4, he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Love does cover a multitude of sins. And the key for this sort of love, it's not just any like ephemeral love, it's Christian love. And the key is that it comes from the head of the body, from Christ. 
We can only find a resource to love one another in this way, despite the mistakes and the blunders and the hurts that we all make, if we're connected in Christ, if it's the body of Christ. Just between humans, it's hopeless, I'll tell you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer helps here. I've quoted him many times in his famous uh, little work, Life Together. Read that with some of you last year. He says, we always love one another in the body indirectly by way of Jesus. So we don't love the other with our own love or for the sake of the other person even, but we love them through Christ first. We love them for Christ's sake. We love them towards Jesus who holds us both in his hands. So there's always a a going through Jesus first to get to one another. He says this, Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. We have one another only through Christ. But through Christ, we do have one another, holy and for all eternity. It's beautiful. So church, do this. Do this. Hold fast to your and one another's life in the body. It's a gift, life in the body. Love the Lord your God first. That's the greatest commandment. And love to one another doesn't do anything uh, eternally if it's not through Christ. So love God first, then love one another deeply because you love Jesus more than that person, because you love Jesus more than anything else. It's the only way forward to maintain the bond of unity and peace in the body. Let's pray.